Hello, welcome to the Dot Metaverse podcast. I'm Ido Siegel, CEO of Touchcast. We're leading the metaverse into the enterprise realm. Join us every week as we explore key themes and ideas surrounding the metaverse. We have an amazing treat for you today. My dear friend, Tom Lunavis, is joining us from Accenture. I have known Tom for only a couple of years, but it feels like I've known him for my whole life. It's one of those people that you meet and you connect with. So beyond his incredible, I think, history as a, a leader and an entrepreneur in the tech space, he's just a generally a wonderful human being. And I always enjoy every moment I spend with him. But ultimately, I think the metaverse has the possibility of leveling the playing field for all, uh, both in accessibility as well as inclusion and uh, by, by addressing the bias in some way, shape or form. And that's my hope. And that's an area that I'm trying to invest into pretty significantly for Accenture to see if we can level the playing field for all. So Tom, thank you so much for making the time to, to, to speak with me today and to share some of your wisdom with, with our listeners. Well, it's a pleasure to be here, Ido, and and I and such kind words. I appreciate it. I, you know, I consider you like, you know, I'm from a family of nine kids. I consider you my sixth brother in that family, but it, none of them say kind words like you just <laughs> said about me. So thank but, you for but, that. But you know they love you, right? I think so. I, you know, it depends. It, it's a day-to-day -day thing. Yeah. Uh, so for, for our listeners, uh, that are not that familiar with Accenture, they probably know of the brand, but uh, maybe you can just give a quick introduction into what Accenture is and, and what is your uh, adventure there um, and maybe why you chose to uh, embark on it. Well, the, the journey of an entrepreneur uh, for, the, for 42 years, making their way into a 700,000 employee company like Accenture, is is in itself a tale that we probably don't have enough time to go through but accenture is an extraordinary company um you know i've as as i said earlier i i'm i'm really an entrepreneur a founder uh over many years but i've always admired and respected uh this company this used to be an accounting firm anderson uh, Arthur Anderson was the name of it, and it spun out a company called The Century, which is a global system integration firm. Uh, and that was 30 years ago, and now it has over 700,000 uh, employees, which is so extraordinary, uh, around the world. And they service, you know, they, they're known to be the most trusted advisor to the global 2000, to the global 2000s C-suite uh, more than anything else. and you know, they, what I think is extraordinary about the company is their deep domain expertise in almost every field, whether it's digital health or fintech or, or banking or payments uh, with crypto and digital dollar programs and things like that, which for a, a founder like myself, that's the key of the game. You know, all of us like you, Ito, you know, we, we look for product market fit phase you know, we, you know, we have to pivot our companies many times. The original idea rarely survives as we meet the marketplace. And to me, Accenture is the marketplace. And so uh, I think I could have compressed my, my cycles of innovation a little bit if I had partnered with Accenture much earlier in my career. But uh, extraordinary company led by Julie Sweet, one of the most impressive leaders I've seen in my 30 or my 44 years in, in the Silicon Valley. Um, 
and my journey was really weird. Um, you know, as I said, I, I've started and founded, you know, six different companies. We were very lucky. We had six different exits. But my last investor was Accenture Ventures. And that was about uh, six years ago when I was running a company called Sosta, which was a cloud analytics company. And apparently when you take money from Accenture Ventures, you end up working for them. So, you know, be careful of that. You know, now that you're now that I've invested in your firm, you'll be working for Accenture in another five years if, if everything goes its due course. Yeah. Full disclosure, Accenture invested in our, our last led the last round. And uh, this is through the Spotlight program. Maybe you can mention that as well. Yeah, Project Spotlight was uh, an invention of Paul Doherty, the, the CTO uh, of Accenture and myself. Paul was actually my investor, that last investor. I had raised over my 42 years of being an operator in the Valley, an entrepreneur in the Valley, um, about $300 million. And, and, and Paul and Julie Sweet approached me after I sold my last company, Sosta, to Akamai. Uh, they they engaged me on a really interesting proposition. They they said basically Accenture is really good at partnering with large companies like Microsoft and SAP and Oracle, but the earlier stage companies it, it's been elusive. It's been difficult to get the right language together. Um, and what they were looking for is to create an investment program you know we've all know venture capital and inside corporations most corporations have what's called a corporate venture capital arm that's what i run now for accenture and you know it's hard for the cvcs as they're called to actually engage with early stage startups for lots of different reasons and what we looked to do with project spotlight was something different it wasn't about just the check it was about really an immersive engagement uh, between what we think are unique and compelling technology, game-changing technologies, and Accenture, the marketplace, and combining those two. And we we created this about two years ago. We've made 26 investments over that 26-month period, so I've been quite active in doing it in 16 different industries, four of 16 of our different industry leads. Um, and it's all really about you know, not being transactional, being authentic uh, to the Accenture brand. So we're not just let's go find a deal together in the traditional partnership that biz dev teams to try to do. We're, we're more about what can we build differently uh, and bring to the marketplace, bring to the global 2000 something different. And what our goal here on one hand on the Accenture side is to build new practices for Accenture. On our client side is to tell really smart people something they may not know new technologies, new approaches, things like the metaverse, educate them on something that's coming around the corner, what's next. So they're prepared. And that's really what Project Spotlight's all about. And I'm very proud of it. You should be uh, met some incredible entrepreneurs along the way uh, in some of our uh, joint events that uh, I think illustrate the, the level of, uh, I think, uh, bravery you need to, to be in this job of, of, of leading a startup. Uh, you have to be a, a bit nuts to, to do it, um, and it's, it takes a certain gene to do that creative management that you do as an investor and in knowing how to deal with these uh, personas, and hopefully some of them are listening to us now, and they should know that there's an open door within a very big corporation 
that can understand that entrepreneurial spirit. And that's what drew me into the partnership. And it's, it's proved a, a really great asset for us at, at TouchCast because, you know, I, I had this experience uh, dealing at a certain point prior to that round with some institutional investors. And after speaking to several of them, I realized that there were very few real investors in the hardcore enterprise space uh, in the communication area. And, and when I when I kind of and I met people that were very excited about the prospects of what we're doing, and it boiled down to the fact that they their business model didn't really afford them the ability to go on a long journey. Uh, and, and unfortunately, a lot of times when you're doing uh, core tech uh, that takes, in our case, about a decade to develop and percolate, um, there is a there's a discontinuity between the, the business models that have been established to support that happening. Uh, and supporting that outcome. So having um, an operating investor, a strategic one, uh, like Accenture for us has, has been very valuable. And I think that's kind of a, somewhat of a call to arms for people that do want to pick up the, 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 the hard craft of helping really big companies uh, move in productive directions, which is on the one hand might seem like it's a maybe a boring corporate thing to do. But I think for me personally, and I know for you, is, is somewhat of a calling because th those big companies move the world and if we can help them move faster, then we can affect change and, and make this world a, a better place in many ways. Does that resonate with you? Yeah, it does. I, you know, and it resonated when I first met you. Um, you know, I, I, I call it the, the three C's of every founder, great founders, people that, are, that can be strategic and tactical at the same time. And those three C's are uh, curiosity, uh, courage, and commitment. You need all three. I, I've met a lot of people that have curiosity or the idea, uh, but don't have the commitment to ne necessarily see it through or don't have the courage to actually see it through. And I think the thing that I look for, and, and, and I really appreciate Paul. Paul Doherty, the CTO, and Julie Sweet here for recognizing the most important element that a big company can have for the startup community, our community, mm -hmm. is empathy. And that empathy and understanding of, the, of how challenging it is to build a product that doesn't exist for a market that does not exist or may not exist for a couple of years forward, that takes courage. And, and having the empathy and the understanding of that and then bringing the goods of, you know, here's the market and here's the here's the intel, the inside baseball, as I would call it, being a former baseball player, uh, the inside baseball on a marketplace to these startups. I think it's a new bond and it's a new bond that's really needed. You know, I, I've raged against this for years. I've. I've always said that the only thing that hasn't changed in the Silicon Valley is the Silicon Valley. In other words, we've always been managed by a two-party system, the founder and the, the, uh, the investor. And yet, when we go through this journey of the product market fit phase, and it's always taken us three to five years to figure out the product market fit phase. And that never made sense to me. Why, of all the things we've invented, why haven't we been able to compress that innovation cycle? Mm -hmm. And it's mainly because the two parties don't know the market. And so I've been advocating for a three, a three-party system to compress the innovation cycle between product market fit phase. 
but the only the third party has to be the market. And so when I'm advocating, I'm in a petri dish here with Project Spotlight. Is Accenture is the marketplace, and if we bring that, if if we weaponize or productize that deep domain expertise and bring it to companies like yourself, we can accelerate the product market fit phase, and that's really why I came out of retirement. I, I wanted to help our community, the entrepreneur community, accelerate that time, and and you know this better than. I, most, but all of us entrepreneurs know that product market fit phase is a very costly environment for all of us because that's where most of us lose 80%, us founders lose 80% of our equity as we try to figure out the market before we can actually scale it. <laughs> and so if we can compress it, I hope to put money back in the f- pockets of the founders who so richly deserve the, the benefits of their ideas. Yes. Uh, so I um, just listening to you reflect on my personal journey, like when I started in technology, you know, programming in assembler and very low level stuff that we were doing because it was that decade um, and was we didn't have AWS. Uh, and I have to tell you, it wasn't a very cool trade like it's it wouldn't get me uh, into any uh, fantastic relationships to, to, to be walking around with with some code and hex in my pocket. Uh, and, you know, and here we are, you know, uh, a measurable amount of years later, and there is uh, a sense of celebrity around technology. And it, it's so different, I think, from the perception we had growing up of, uh, of that as a currency. And I, I say that because when we talk about the topic of this podcast, which is the, I would call it the serious dot metaverse, meaning the application of this transformative technology for for serious purposes that really will move us forward, which because I do believe that those exist and are developing very quickly. Um, it was kind of, kind of similar in this regard because f- this suddenly became the coolest topic on everybody's minds. Um, and as a, as a company for us as TouchCast, we have this really great backwind and we've been working in this stuff with, with Accenture for you know years now. Uh, I'm interested to hear your perspective on the metaverse through the lens of what you're seeing and where are those areas where it can have a material impact on the future trajectory of those top you know, 2,000 companies in the world that Accenture engages with? I think it's extraordinary. My, my own personal journey, and, and I know you and I share this a little bit, you know, started back in the, the early 1990s with Neil Stevenson's book, Snow Crash, where you know the whole idea of you know imaginary buildings and avatars were introduced to me and and that concept that probably comes from the imagination itself you know do you have an imagination can you visualize you know you know worlds and and lives that are so much different than what we have today that curiosity started working on it right then and there. And and then I watched it evolve to the gaming industry. And then I saw the parallel paths that, that right around the same time, you know, the web web 1.0 was introduced and, you know, the, the killer app back there was search and that was really cool. And we could access data and all that kind of other things. So here's snow crash on one side, the internet 1.0, evolves and then internet 1.0 or 2.0 or web 2.0 develops into you know uh, social you know mobile mobile particularly uh, and all of a sudden 
that evolved my my thought processes and now to the metaverse which i think now we're entering the cool phase now now the geek turns into cool because now we're really talking you know uh you know pages turned into places and that 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 shift that foundational shift of search engine pages now become places and engagements and immersive engagements oh my that's that's when you when geek turns into cool, you know, and, and that's how I see the parallels between the 44 years I've been in the Silicon Valley, where I met Steve Jobs while I was in my college uh, room. Uh, and I was the athlete jock he hated, and he was the geek I didn't understand. And then, you know, years later, we, we became friends and, and things like that. But it's, you know, ultimately, this is uh th that's what it's all about it's the journey i think sometimes we get kind of locked into the destination but the journey is far more fun and and whether you know it when you transform your thought from one thing to another when you pivot your own mind around an idea that's what makes it so much fun and and if you're not passionate about that you're not an entrepreneur from my standpoint and so i i see the metaverses parallel courses of, of the web um, you know, we just actually brought Tim Berners-Lee in as our most recent spotlight, kind of one of the older spotlight founders. But uh, Tim, uh, Sir Tim Berners-Lee, uh, the founder of the web, uh, or at least targeted on that, and, and I think rightfully so. Um, but Tim and his new company, Inrup, is a part of the spotlight. And, you know, that whole journey through the eyes of him, we brought him into a company meeting this past week. And, you know, just to talk about just what you asked uh, about, you know, this journey of, from the metaverse back at, from a book um, 1992 to where it is now becoming a reality to, to the web back in 1992, where it's now becoming part of that same reality. You mentioned uh, Steve Jobs and uh, the quote that jumped into my mind, which, uh, I mean, he, he did many things that, uh, were very inspirational for, for every, anyone working in technology. And I also had uh, an interesting set of interactions with him. Uh, and I'd be curious to talk about if you had a, a positive experience that we like, that that'll be interesting to another discussion. Uh, but uh, he famously said that the computer is like the bicycle for the mind, right? Which was a very insightful uh, I think point of view on it and it was necessary at the time because it's hard for people to contemplate that literally the notion of a computing device was foreign to humanity like this just didn't exist now we're with these phones I the whole thing had to be explained in a way that people can resonate with and I wonder if we can extend that metaphor to the metaverse as being kind of a bicycle for humanity in that it's a place to simulate uh, and and as humans, as we experience life, we go through the world and, and as kids, we play and we simulate and we replicate and we, we play again and again to, to, to have these games to, you know, do things better. And the metaverse really gives us uh, this environment, this bicycle for humanity to play out a lot of scenarios. Um, we really haven't had that before. Like you've kind of had it for first person shooting experience, right? Which unfortunately is, has not brought us a lot of good in the world, but what, what do you think about that lens? Well, I love it because I, I think that's a curiosity side. Uh, you know, it, if, and again, I, I caution everybody to try to, 
to try not to try to determine with the endpoint, because in software and in technology, there are no endpoints. It just keeps evolving. And, and that's the bicycle impact of it is that you don't know what you don't know. You don't know where things are going. So we are, you know, in, you know, I invest a lot in data companies because data to me, new data, uh, third-party data, new data now, new, newly generated derivative data are creating new businesses that we couldn't have imagined five years ago. And now all new businesses are kind of coming out um, into the world. And so the metaverse is very much the, this, uh, I, it's clearly to me the next technology platform and, and the, the next significant technology platform. And Yet we don't, for most people, for most of us, we can't fully comprehend the possibilities of it. I, I'm still walking through doors that I did not know existed into rooms that I did not know existed inside this virtual space uh, of the metaverse. I, it, that's the discovery aspect. And that's the, if that doesn't make you feel young, <laughs> you know, that, that, you know, one, you don't know what you're walking into, or you didn't even know it existed, and then all of a sudden discovery. That's the coolest thing in the world. And that's why I think the metaverse is going to be such a big deal is it, it is every day opening up new opportunities and new possibilities for our clients and for Accenture. So we, we think of some of these uh ingredients that people are kind of grouping together is related to the metaverse, which are not necessarily fully congruent with each other or necessarily uh, historically been pulled together. Uh, but they kind of seem to be converging on a moment in time where they're enablers. Um, I'd be curious as we as we kind of talk of some of these, like your what you're seeing, not as it relates to TouchCast, because I, I don't want this to focus on the work that we're doing. I think people that are here probably know a bit more about what we're doing, but really interested in other companies in the portfolio or things that you're seeing that you're interested on these lenses of things that, you know, when we think about blockchain and tokenomics, when we think about uh, distribute yeah. DeFi, when we think about the impact of, uh, of, of that uh, on uh, areas that I know you're very passionate about, like uh, learning and development. Uh, what, what are you seeing that are, you think interesting uh, trends that are going to really contribute to, to impact in, in, that, in those areas of just generally. Yeah, I think that's the coolest part of you. Know, I, it, it's, you know, I don't, I, I hate the idea of investing into technology for technology's sake, you know, just trends and things like that. I, I look for, you know, the, I hate the phrase, but the killer app, what are the applications that are going to really take off or at least initially take it off? Now I can envision this marketplace and, and such. But right now, today, the, 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 air, the first mover for me has been immersive learning. And that kind of started, that journey started for me right at home, right here at Accenture. And, and it, the COVID created such a unique Petri dish for us all. But there's probably no greater example of that than Accenture itself. We onboarded 150,000 new employees that never actually have been in an office at Accenture remotely. And we did it inside the metaverse through immersive learning, through creating content uh, for course materials and things like that so that we could onboard these 150,000 employees around the world 
uh, and maintain and keep up with the demand for Accenture's services and capabilities. And I was blown away watching it all. And, and we looked at a lot of different technology companies in that area. And that, you know, companies like TouchCast, but also companies like Striver and Tailspin helped us do content creation and uh, pull together the immersive learning experiences. And then, and then now it's beginning to evolve in all forms of engagement. So think about our just our day-to-day -day lives. I mean, all of us have hundreds of interactions on a day-to-day -day basis. A lot of them today are on the internet. Sometimes it's just searching for some, sometimes it's buying things, sometimes it's doctor-patient related. And so now we're beginning to see uh, in the healthcare area, uh, you know, these same kind of platforms where conversations that would have happened in, a, in an office, a doctor's office, are now happening in the metaverse uh, between doctors and patients and, and how they communicate about, you know, uh, uh, something like an oncologist having to deal with a really difficult uh, subject of cancer and to a family or families to families are related to, di uh, to digital health or health. And so we see that. I think the evolution, though, as we've seen with many companies, you know, whether it be Chevron or McDonald's or others, is that it's a marketplace. It's And this is the reality. What I loved about when you and I first met, I love this concept of the metaverse as you know uh, what we you know the 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 zoom and the uh, the team Microsoft teams communication platforms it was your words although I think sometimes you think it's my words that we were were you know your point of view just really hit me hard which was we are at our Henry Ford moment or more explicitly our model T moment in terms of communication and engagement and you saw the metaverse far before so many others. And so that, and then that led me to say, so what, what is Tesla gonna look like? Well, we were defining and talking two years ago when we were talking about this, the metaverse and what will the metaverse say? So I think immersive learning uh, platforms, the ability to work remotely and you know, the whole idea of remote workforces, that's a huge play. I'm starting to see healthcare come into play and as tokens and other capability, it, we're going to see the the exchange, and that's where the high idea that you introduced uh, just recently, called Metaverse City, becomes in a play where the the physical becomes digital. Uh, our stores, our uh, you know, the ability to walk down Madison Avenue and and go into the Microsoft store uh, to buy a computer and have a very personalized, personalized, specific to me experience in a Madison Avenue store in New York City from my living room. <laughs> now that that is what's extraordinary. So I think you're gonna see auto, the auto dealerships all change. I think you're gonna see many, many businesses work both physically and digitally. And, and, and I think the key to that is that that connection point won't be two different worlds. They're gonna be connected. They will be, You'll move in and out of both of them very seamlessly, and that's the key to the metaverse going forward. So maybe as a, as a final area that I'd love to touch on with you, because I know it's an area that you're very passionate about, uh, is the whole challenge that the tech community faces with uh, diversity of voices and, and points of view and, 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 and equity and, and different 
le lenses. Um, I think our our listeners would benefit from your point of view on that. And I, I don't know if there's a specific anecdote uh, that correlates to, to these technologies playing a role in that, but would would love for you to share your, your point of view on that and, and the responsibility we carry as leaders in this field. Yeah, I'm very, you know, backdrop for this for the audience. I, I, I am very proud to be a co-chairman of uh, Accenture's uh, Disabilities and Inclusion uh, Committee. And when I have a physical disability myself, uh, actually a few, uh, but one that I talk about the most is my visual impairment. But this goes far beyond physical. This goes into bias, basically. You know, the way that we we look at each other through a bias. You know, we all have interpretations of what the other person is wearing, to the color of their skin, to their religions, to their politics. And, you know, I see the metaverse potentially being a solution. Now, we got a long way to go, and there's going to have to be a lot of thoughtfulness put into this. But if if we now can have a discussion, an engagement, an immersive engagement with somebody without having a bias to what they're wearing or with their skin color or, or what have you, that we're only judging people on the content, I think we might find a lot more common ground. And I think that's ultimately what I would hope the metaverse could evolve to, you know, to could evolve to a platform where bias we begin to to deal with bias in a different way because we're not, you know, there, there's a couple different forms to this. On one hand, you know, I, the challenges of um, the metaverse in many ways is is that all of us are avatars and we're all cartoon characters, and so can you really deal with some some of that, some subjects or some topics or some engagements? That'll be great. And in other cases, you'll, you'll need a different representation, either the real person or a hologram or something to that effect. But ultimately, I think the metaverse has the possibility of leveling the playing field for all, uh, both in accessibility as well as inclusion and uh, by, by addressing the bias in some way, shape or form. And that's my hope. And that's an area that I'm trying to invest into pretty significantly for Accenture to see if we can level the playing field for all. Because when we do, the world gets better in, for me and my sector and my community. It's better innovation that goes comes out of that. You know, if you have a diverse uh, group of people around the table, your innovation is going to be significantly better than if it was just a bunch of middle aged white guys trying to figure it all all out. Yeah, uh, just sharing that I just had a fascinating engagement with the co-founder of a, of a startup that is tackling the uh, the problem of, well, I won't call it a problem, but the challenge of having an accent. Uh, so one of the aspects of the metaverse that I find fascinating is that we, we have to not look at it through the lens of where we are now, but I think to your point of where we're going uh, and really seeing it as just this uh, alternative space to the one we inhabit in which we communicate, uh, I think, through a, a level of in inference embeddings that allow us to manipulate uh, what we communicate vis-a-vis -vis what people are receiving from us. So I could be sitting here with a with a thick Israeli accent, and, and you're hearing me with with a British accent, and 
I, I use that example because it's a societal, for, for those of you that do not have an accent, that have never been an immigrant, you probably, it doesn't resonate with you. But if you do have an accent, you know that it creates bias uh, in many occasions for very, very accomplished, intelligent people uh, to feel like they're actually perceived as, as less of what they are just because of the fact that they have an accent. So it's a, it's a, good, a good kind of example of something that might seem very minor but and that really has an impact when you communicate in, a, in an environment that has got compute between you and the other side that can do these magical things, uh, even beyond appearance. Uh, I do think these avatars are really a small stepping stone on a path to something much more significant and empathy generating. Uh, so, I, yeah. I think you're so 100% right. When I loved it, one of the initial features I loved about TouchCast was that point about the translator and the ability to communicate to it, to millions of people with different. So it's a personalized experience, which is one of the keys to the metaverse is that every one of us gets our own personalized point of view, of either language or what have you. Or And, you know, it, it's not just the inflection of a voice of, of an accent. It's also you know, as I've said, color of skin or, or such, but it's also, what about people that can't, can't see? So, you know, the, the, the visual or the hearing uh, folks that can hear, you know, the ability to see uh, what's saying, you know? And so we've got to kind of figure out a, how to level that playing field, as I say, and, and, you know, find a lingua franca that is common for everybody and that we, we get away from, the inflection of a voice uh, or the appearance of a person, and we get to the content of the human. And, and I think that's where we'll get common ground and hopefully find common ground going forward. Now, these are all lofty goals, and, and we're going over our skis a little bit for a tech platform. But that's the possibilities, and that's the potential, and that's that's really what I care about the most. The, you know, Can we find our own human potential through technology? So, Tom, I, I think with that very inspirational uh, ending tone, uh, I want to thank you for being such an inspiration for me and others and for being so generous uh, with your wisdom and for caring uh, about the people that you work with in a way that empowers them to help others and, and, and make their work lives really meaningful. So. Uh, thank you again for your friendship and everything you're doing for taking the time to share some of your wisdom with, with our listeners and uh, looking forward to the next time we have a, a chat like this. It, probably in a few days because of the way we are, but very kind words, my friend. Um, I, I, I think the world of you and TouchCast and, and I'm very proud to be a partner with you on, on your journey. Uh, and thanks for having me today. Appreciate it. Thank you, Tom. Talk soon. Start your .metaverse journey today. You can claim your .metaverse Web3 domain for free right now at touchcast.com. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, subscribe today to stay up to date with our latest episodes.